you've got to throw yourself like 50 million percent into the one thing. I guess the philosophy that I love to go by is like nothing's impossible and don't be afraid of the word no. The biggest thing was my mom telling me, don't wait for someone to offer you the album and just create it. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realize there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Hello, lovely neighborhood, and welcome to our second guest episode of the year. Continuing on our musical theme to kick off 2023, we are chasing our classical singer, Josh Pitterman, with a classical pianist and one of the country's very best at that. You might remember a few weeks ago, Andrew and I were lucky enough to attend a candlelight concert where we cried our way through an hour of Van Anwyn's spine-tingling renditions of Disney's Best and Brightest, accompanied by cellist Ali Partridge. Well, earlier that day, we actually recorded an episode as well on how one actually goes from a musical childhood, which is not especially uncommon, to an internationally successful career, a deal with Universal Music, 11 albums and counting, ARIA nominations, and a dream life between LA and Australia, which is definitely less common. (laughs) You'll hear quickly how much I loved getting into the nitty-gritty details of life as a professional pianist. You guys know I love to get into a niche community. How do you train your fingers? Do you have to get insurance for your hands? Can you play any song that you hear without any sheet music? And of course, Van Ann is one of those people who can just play any song straight after hearing it, which is incredible. We nearly got to put her to the test at a piano shop over the road, but of course she had her show straight after, so we ran out of time. I could have sat with this incredible woman for hours and watched her play for many more hours than that. I'll include some snippets of her playing actually in the show notes and on socials so you can experience her exceptional talent and unique ability to fuse Beethoven with Britney and somehow make it work. Her take on classical music and ability to do both the conventional and the more modern is just unrivaled and I really enjoyed this one so much. So I hope you guys like it as much as I did. Welcome to Seize the A. I'm so excited excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you and in person because you're a Sydney gal. We've well, I followed you definitely for many years and Likewise. then just like <laughs> slid into your DMs one day and was like, hey, are you in Melbourne anytime soon? And we made it work. I know. Finally. I think you've got like two days here. I, I managed to grab you for an hour. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so before we get into the chat, I'm sure you already know one of the big things that gets me so excited is exploring a, a niche community and explaining also how you got there and the fact that you didn't wake up with the career you have now. But before we get into that, your life is so beautiful and glamorous and you're always performing and wearing beautiful gowns and like the piano in itself is just such a glorious instrument. But I'm sure there's some really down-to-earth grubby stuff. Well, I hope there is because otherwise I have nothing to relate to you about. Absolutely. (laughs) What would you say is the most down-to-earth thing about you? I guess it's not kind of 
the dresses are pretty, right? And all of that. <laughs> Very pretty. But I don't always get to have someone to do my hair, for instance. Like you're doing your own hair. You learn how to do your makeup. You All those little things. Like if, you, if they're big shows, then you get someone to do them for you. But yeah. like, and then getting from A to B, like how do I work out my Uber Eats, like between shows, <laughs> you know, normal things. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing when you arrived here was you were like, it looks like a moving house, but I've just got my clothes for the concert tonight. And I've, I've just laughed so much because there have been so many days, especially on a hot day where I've got like 75 coat hangers over one arm. Like whenever I'm shooting here and I rock off and I'm sweaty and I've been in an Uber and I've got food out of my mouth, I'm like, it's just, it looks polished on the outside, but most of it is the opposite. <laughs> totally, totally. And then like if I'm selling merch, for instance, and you know, <gasps> I have to set up the merch table, do I have any help? Am I going to hire a friend who's like a promo friend to se- help sell it? Or am I standing there signing CDs, chatting to people and using a little square, making sure yeah. the tech works because, gosh, they update those things all the time. So, Do you yeah. do all that sometimes, all of it yourself? Yeah, like oh tonight. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Really? <laughs> I'll be like, play piano, run out. Oh hi guys! Yeah, CDs, <laughs> vinyls. I'm a checkout chick as well. <laughs> oh well, multi-talented to say the least. <laughs> so let's get into how you got to where you are today. And I think it's safe to say you're one of the most successful musicians in Australia. We just were talking about the fact that you have 11 albums, which is wild. Have won all kinds of awards. Some as the youngest Australian to ever achieve those accolades and. You're, you know, just an incredibly sought after concert pianist. But I think people who walk into your life now where you're getting huge gigs, you're signed to Universal, it's like the dream. Forget that you were once a little kid. You once had no idea if you'd end up here. And I think we also assume with music that anyone, because you started so young, that this, you know, pathway was straightforward. Like you you started Mm. piano and now you're here. But Mm -hmm. I'm sure it wasn't like that. So can you take us back to the very, very beginning, even your pathway through school and whether you thought the arts would be a career and how you kind of navigated that? Yeah, Yeah, Tell us about yourself. So I guess I was lucky enough to have parents both who are musicians, Oh, uh, they really? Yes. My mom's an opera singer and my dad's a classical guitarist. Oh, my god! So, gosh. like, literally born into this world of music. Never forced into taking it as a career. Yeah. But, of course, everyone's like, oh, you had Asian parents. Like, did they force you to practice? Tiger parents. Exactly. No, they didn't force me to practice. I probably did, honestly, half an hour a day up until the age of about eight or nine, which may sound weird that it's not a lot, but there were many other peers who were like two hours a day. I had friends whose parents were like crazy. They're like, if you don't do an hour, you're not getting breakfast. That kind of like craziness. So I was like, I had a cushy life in terms of like (laughs) crazy half an hour a day, you know, but I enjoyed it. I I remember mum was like, oh, you would ask me to give you a lesson. You know, my mum would like go off and teach all day, come back and then I'd be like, teach me. So, yeah. So that's sort of how it started. Did all my grades, got all of that out of the way, started doing competitions, became really obsessed with competitions, not because- Healthy obsession or- Um, I think it wasn't the obsession of winning. It was never about winning. It was actually about being in a space with very like-minded people. Okay. And everyone was there playing piano. And I made this amazing group of friends who I'm pretty much still in touch with. And yeah, and some of them aren't doing music anymore. Some of them went and did law or became a doctor, then ditched that, went back to music. Like we have this 
it's a conflict, right? Because with music, especially as a pianist, it's pretty lonely. Yeah, You're playing by yourself. It's not like you're a violinist and you can audition to join an orchestra and yeah. play with a group. I guess you can, there's still a piano in the orchestra, but it's a slightly different role. Yeah. Like you're kind of in the background. I want to be out the front playing. Yeah, you know? and so, there's one of you, not like exactly. 17 pianists sitting next to exactly. each other like the violinists. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I always knew that I wanted to be a pianist for sure. But at the end of high school, there's always that question like, what are you going to put down for what universities you're mm. going to go to? And I literally just had music as my number one and I had nothing else. Like, wow. I was like, what, what else should I do? And then I guess I like, I enjoyed writing and being creative in that way. So I was like, I guess journalism would be one. But this is after having gone to America to trial college. It wasn't what it was that I thought it was. Like it was very competitive. I didn't like that kind of competition. Everyone was just kind of in it for themselves. So then I came back did a journalism law degree, but then dropped out on the law like four years in. Four? Um, yeah, I know. I just had another year left here. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I know. I will never, my mum will never let me live that one down. Wow. Yeah, okay, that is so interesting because yeah. I think there is so much to be said for that expectation at the end of school, even for someone who obviously had shown talent and promise and passion. Yep not having been forced into it. I mean, you started, what, 13 months, I think I read, or 15 months? Yeah. It's been quoted as both. Yeah, still very young. Yes. And it kept going all this time. The fact that you even still thought, oh, but I should put down something like not in the arts, you know? Even with my parents being musicians, they were like, oh, you should just put something like that's safer. Yeah, even still. And I'm like, you're a musician, what are you talking about? (laughs) But I guess it's always that like security, you know, being a musician is literally especially a freelancer, yeah, you're constantly either having to find work or that kind of thing. So, mm. and I didn't want to be a teacher. I was teaching, yeah. like that was kind yeah, of like yeah. my part-time job. But eventually as the travel picked up and as the shows picked up, it wasn't fair on the students to have random lessons like once every month, you know, that's not yeah. fair on them. And I knew that, I think what I understand now is you've got to throw yourself like 50 million percent into the one thing yeah you can't have a safety because if you have a fallback it will always be safe and I think by throwing yourself fully it's like that's how I'm going to survive like I need to survive so what am I going to do Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) And I think that is why while people still allow themselves a safety net they often don't get they don't do as well and then they're sort of they use that as proof that they should never have jumped in the first place. But you're like, no, 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 you just never let go fully. You never gave it a chance. And I think it's so interesting that you went down the journalism law path, even invested four years of your life in it and must have hit a point where you were like, even though I'm so close, it like obviously hasn't disadvantaged you at all that you didn't finish. And I think there's so much pressure on us to like the should. Well, I should finish because I've come this far and the whole idea of, but I've wasted four years, but I don't think anything's a waste. If, it, if no that's way. what it took you to realise that what you want is music and you can make that work without a plan B. Yeah. Like I imagine it was a really scary decision at the time, but how did you kind of push yourself to being okay with the scary position of having no plan B, like ripping the Band-Aid and leaving a degree mm. that you're so far in with. So 
at the time doing journalism and law, I was still going away to do piano competitions and still doing concerts. And it was actually, it just got to a point where it was too much. I'd have to come back after two weeks of say, being in Germany and then have like 4,000 pages of black letter law to, <laughs> to, to read and digest. And it's like constitutional law and it's so dry. And I'm just like, I was like, no, My I can't. <laughs> least cannot. favorite subject. Right? I was just like, I, I actually can't. I'm not, basically, I just wasn't passionate about it. Yeah. So then why do it? That was it. Yeah. But I would advise any musician, I really wish there was like a subject like contracts that was yeah. in a music degree because, yeah. I mean, it's helped me so much just to be able to read through and slightly understand. Yeah. Obviously, you still need the professionals in the end, but at least it helped me like just draw up simple contracts just mm -hmm. for basic gigs because musicians get screwed over so much because, yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally. And I, I think that, again, is like being able to look at, an investment of time in something and think like, I never became a lawyer. I didn't finish my degree, but I learned valuable things. And I think totally. nothing is a waste if you learn something from it. Absolutely. Even if it's to learn what you don't want, yes. that still is more information to figure out totally. what you do so want. Right. So then sort of not allowing yourself to have a plan B and going all in like 500% into this career, particularly a competitive one and particularly one that isn't known for stability or you know, there's so much risk going into the creative world as an artist. Mm -hmm. How did you get from, oh, my gosh, I'm taking this leap, I'm going full time, and then, you know, building your name, like mm -hmm. to any aspiring musicians out there, How do, particularly in something like piano where you can't work your way up inside an orchestra if you want to solo perform. How do you yeah. make a name for yourself? How do you make the right contacts to, you know, get a contract with Universal, do an album, mm. also – being, I think classical music has had such a resurgence, but it was daggy for a little while. It was what oh, we did in forever. school. And you've made it like you did, I think it was techno to Chopin. Like mm. I was like, <laughs> you are fusing the coolness with like your technical, like it's amazing, but people don't listen to you until you've made a name for yourself. So how did you build your pathway or pathier as I call it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the biggest thing was my mom telling me to don't wait for someone to offer you the album right and just create it and i was like what do you mean like it <laughs> just like, i record need to it on my phone yeah <laughs> like it's costly and it's you know you need to go to a recording studio and at the time recording was not as easy as it is now you know like you really had to go into a proper recording studio i mean you still do but the means are a little easier now yeah, yeah. You know, there's tools but yeah you know hiring recording studios all of that and she's like well put a concert on raise the money for it and then use that money to create the album and so that was the very first album that i did when I was 21 and it was purely classical. It, I was like training really hard for competitions. So right. it was really good to document that. I feel like that peak of being just like classical, solid classical, solo piano playing. Yeah. At the same time, I was sort of battling like identity because like I love classical, but I really wanted to relate to a younger audience. I wanted to not just see white hairs at a concert, yeah. you know, <laughs> like how do you do that? Yes. It was really frustrating for me because I really wanted more people to love classical. So then fast forward like four years and I get to, I was like, I'm going to fuse like beats in. And that was the journey of this crossover. 
And even then it was still quite classical, but it was just like, how do I inject a little bit of like hip hop beats in there or just like other elements? That's when crowdfunding started for me. And this was back in 2012. So crowdfunding was quite new at the time as well. And I used this platform called Potsable and it was amazing. Like I just raised a ton of money and it really helped. And I decided that I wanted to do at the end, if you donate enough money, you'd get tickets to my album launch, which was at the Sydney Opera House. And so- Oh my God. (laughs) Your first album? That would have been my first crossover album. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. But still self-funded, independent release, all of that jazz. Wow. Um, Yeah. So just like it was aiming for like- High. As high as you could, right? It was like, what was my dream? I totally went trifold over budget, of course, (laughs) because- I didn't know how necessary to, learning curve. I had no idea how to budget for anything. Yeah. Um, wow. But I had all these dreams. Like I'm like, oh, I want this Australian designer to create a dress for me. Like I love fashion. So then had that element in it. I wanted to dress my orchestra. So I had like 10 musicians that were all dressed by this one designer. And so like just that's why it went, you know, trifold and all that. But yeah, so essentially like building all of those projects and then I guess word spreads and, you know, nothing's better than word of mouth, I think. Yeah, 100%. Um, And then kept going, kept evolving. Universal came along four years ago. And again, it's by creating and using all the tools that we have right now, like YouTube and all Mm. the social media elements to put yourself out there consistently yeah that they ended up seeing a video and it's actually the most hilarious way it started I was on a cruise ship about to sail out (laughs) of Sydney and I get this email from one of the execs and he was like oh can you come in for a meeting there's this album that you sent a press release about two months ago that we'd like to talk about yeah and I was again going to self-release and this was the pop alchemy album which is me like fusing destiny's child with Britney with Beethoven and I again I was just like I'm ready to just self-release because that's what I'm used to and it's worked and so literally they did this Skype call with me on the boat whilst I was in the middle of the the ocean (laughs) Like, it was so sketch. Um, but yeah, they, I guess they saw the bridge that I was trying to create yeah. between the generations yes. and also just trying to make classical music relevant. But also I'm it's my personality in that. Yeah. Like I love the classical, I love the pop stuff. And yeah, so that's sort of where it's at. I love that you started by self-releasing because I think there is such a – fear and self-doubt around putting yourself out there but particularly I mean everyone has it let alone when you're doing it publicly let alone when you're a performer and let alone when you're a solo performer that's doing something that the industry has traditionally like I imagine purists yes are like ew what are you doing exactly and then like pop and R&B singers are like wait why is there a piano in there like when you're doing something so different the doubt and then comparing to what everyone else is doing and the fact that no one else has done it before like Mm -hmm. How did you back yourself enough and even crowdfunding like you're kind of, and selling tickets? Like I feel like my biggest fear is always selling tickets to an event because what if no one wants to come? Or totally. will I look silly? Like the, the fear of failure, obviously, you know that you're technically amazing, but did you ever have that imposter syndrome or that worry of like, 
what if it flops? What if everyone hates? What if no one comes? Like, how do you get through that as a performer? I mean, I guess from the classical world, we grew up playing to like 10 people in a room. So So anything is a bonus. (laughs) The bar is low. (laughs) My mum and dad. But also 10 very critical people. Yes. You know, they're listening to every single note watching you. So yes, again, that identity crisis of, and also letting go of this whole idea of, do I have enough integrity in the music? Are they going right. to blast me for mixing these things together? Are you a together? sellout? Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I've, I've had those trolls, but I don't care. And it had to get to a point where I didn't care. Like if you believe in what you're doing like 5,000%, then hopefully other matter. people, like it emits the same energy out and someone will connect, you know? Yeah. yeah. I guess it's like believing in yourself silly. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And I think, yeah, the minute you don't care is the minute you excel because suddenly you're not controlled by those opinions anymore. I mean, obviously you care about what you're doing but not other people's perceptions. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's such good advice. So from a day-to-day perspective, what does it actually involve to be a full-time concert (laughs) pianist? Like you know, Josh was mentioning that he doesn't speak from a certain time during mm. the day because I was like, oh, my God, wait, your voice is your tool. Like you can't just chat on the phone for hours. That's so right. you like your fingers and your hands are obviously your tool, but also like how do you balance concerts with album recording with, you know, in-house private corporate stuff? Like what is the balance of and, and practice and, and writing? Practice. Yeah. yeah. How do you divide your time? That's hard to, it's different on a day-to-day basis, I guess. You do have certain seasons where things are busier, like corporate season, for instance, was like October through to December. Oh, yeah, it was just course. like nuts and <laughs> like events bleeding out of your ears. Yeah. So then I kind of prioritize those things first during that time and then in terms of practice yeah obviously trying to keep a practice every day I probably don't practice as much as back when I was competing for instance yeah but you know a solid hour and a half to two hours every day just to like keep your repertoire going yeah and then if I'm learning new stuff for new shows for instance then Yeah. yeah that amount of time will increase yeah usually first thing in the morning is the best that's when I'm clearest and I'm not like distracted by emails and those sorts of things as you go along it's just you know trying to deal with scheduling (laughs) exactly yeah so yeah scheduling shows usually shows do get scheduled I'd say like at least six months in advance so I do have my calendar for that long it's a little different to say musical theater where they're blocked in, you know, we're doing a season in Sydney for this yeah, long a season. Yeah. And, but having said that, I do have sort of my rotation. So six months in Australia and six months based in the US. I saw in LA. So you're living between. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So never a winter. Yeah, I know. I was going to say summer chasing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So by having that, that definitely gives me parameters of what time I'm you know, your country. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a system already that kind of we just roll along with it now. Yeah. Do you not play sport? Like are there things you don't (gasps) do because you're like my fingers might get ruined? (laughs) So insurance, uh, so insurance for fingers, they'll they'll tell you like what you can and cannot (gasps) do, for instance. Like I'm like, I'm not J-Lo's bum, but (laughs) but almost. But yeah, so like no basketball, like my piano teacher in when I was in year 11, for instance, she was like, you can't play tennis anymore. And that like (gasps) broke my heart because she's like, your wrists, it's too risky. It's it's too risky. And it's true. (gasps) 
Yeah. So do you have to do any particular like moisturizing? <laughs> or, like do you cramp? Like how do you train your fingers? I guess that's just the practice, right? Oh. Like because I, I actually do compare musicians to athletes because yeah. it's literally if you don't train consistently, then you go into doing a, an hour and a half show like it's It'll muscle. hurt. Yeah. yeah. And you'll cramp and you'll get, you know, RSI or yeah. tendonitis. Yeah, you get like and all tennis this. elbow. Like is there piano elbow? No, but it's basically like RSI or <gasps> tendonitis. It's notorious. Pianists get them all the time. It's so up here, the pain up here, joints here. What do you do about it? Like rehab or like Pilates Physio, for pianists? Yeah. There's a lot apparently, luckily, knock on wood, that yeah. I've not had it. But yeah, a lot of people go through it. And it's really sad. Wow. Yeah. And then, God forbid, arthritis later yeah. on. Um, and you see that a lot in sort of older musicians. But, yeah, I think the consistency, and I saw this a lot through the pandemic, is that some musicians just kind of sat back and was like, oh, yeah. I don't have any gigs. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. But then once things opened up and they went slammed into, like, back-to-back shows that's of course you're going to injure yourself which is the same yeah the same as anything is if you're out of practice you can't expect to perform at the same level that you you were before exactly I'm so fascinated by also like the really fine distinction between loving something and learning to be good at it through practice and also being born with an innate talent, particularly in the arts, because I think there are people who are not necessarily the technically best, but who have the most heart when they perform and then vice versa. And then there are people who don't read sheet music, but can play by ear Mm. and also the reverse. Do you think that you were born with an amazing musical ability and then have honed it? Or do you think you learnt it? Do you read sheet music innately? Do you play without it? Like how has your repertoire built itself? Mm, and I, now if you hear a song, could you just like sit down and play it or would you need the sheet music? I can definitely just play it from just hearing it. Whoa. For sure. Yeah. It's a little fun party trick. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wish we had a piano or, here you know, right like now. when you press like a chord and then I'll be like, yep, that's G, F sharp, C. Yeah, your yeah. brain just does so, that. And yeah. has it always, like was it easy for you when you were younger? So I really believe that this – So with that kind of stuff, like being called perfect pitch, that I think you're born with it, but you have to have had someone develop it. Otherwise, it just sits there dormant. Yes. So I was lucky enough for my parents to just nurture all of that. And I'm the oldest of three and... I'm kind of, I was like the guinea pig, right? Yeah. Mum was like, let's see what we can do. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think I was lucky enough with that. But at the same time, I love those diagrams where it's like how much of it is talent, how much of it is hard work, and how yeah. much of it is luck. Yeah. And it has to be a combination of the three, I think. The hard – like talent is great, but if you don't work with on your talent, like yeah. it's just going to – go to waste I think yeah it will only get you so far as well so true and I think luck is the same like people often attribute too much to luck they're like oh I was so lucky to get here and it's like maybe that pushed you a third of the way but without talent but also the you know dedication and hard work and the hours and blood sweat and tears Mm. like it does it takes all three of those things so much and I don't think we think about that as much no I think and it's a constant struggle for classical musicians I think because there's so many talented musicians out there and I get frustrated seeing some of these talented musicians I'm like but why aren't they like bigger stars you know why aren't they doing the world tours like you're so freaking talented but it's the networking as well yeah you know and I hate to say it but it's 
it's compulsory. Yeah. Like you're embracing your profile as well yeah. as your technical yeah. proficiency. Yeah. I think that's the same with a lot of people. They find like they hate social media. Oh, yeah. And they get resentful. But then it's like, well, if you harnessed it, and I know that it feels like a distraction from what you're doing, but it's actually really complementary to what you're doing because totally. no one knows about your talent yeah. unless you promote the talent like even though it feels exactly. weird it's yes. so necessary yeah and then they're, they're like oh my gosh but now I'm like commercial you yeah. know <laughs> and it's like you're hardly commercial darling like, yeah <laughs> really. you're not making any money there's no, no commerciality <laughs> there at <Yeah>. all <laughs> but it's that like yeah. kind of old conservative classical mentality and yeah. I just it's really tough yeah it's hard to see what is your favorite kind of performance and favorite composer to perform or favorite genre? Like, do you prefer the you know, big auditorium or do you prefer the intimate? Do you prefer like tonight? I'm so excited tonight. We get to come and see you play Disney. Like yes. what is your ultimate dream? If you had no money expectations, no time restraints, nothing, what would you do? <gasps> Mm, that's a dream question. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an interesting one too because, of course, other things come into play. But yes. if you could just do, you know, one thing over and over again, what would it be? So I have this concert series that is called Perfect Pairings where I pair music with wine and food. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why am I not coming to that one? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really hard to put on though. So essentially I started in 2015 and – I have a very keen interest in wine. Like my dad fed me wine from when I was 12 years old. Like That's at home. why you're so good at piano because you've wasted all the time. <laughs> How do you deal with nerves? I'm just drunk. Yeah. <laughs> it calms the nerves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so essentially because of this love of wine and then this love of piano, I wanted to put it together and in a way where the language and the words you use to describe wine is very similar to how you describe certain pieces. And so I would take people on a journey. And so you think like champagne is like bubbly. So you'd like, you'd play something light and bubbly. And then you take them on that journey of a wine tasting flight and you go into the whites, a bit heavier, lighter reds, heavier reds. And so you take them on a journey. It's the same way I would create a concert. Without the wine, with or without. Yeah, yeah. But this now is adding that extra element of sense, of taste, right? Not just listening and watching, but it's taste as well. So I'd work with sommeliers, I'd work with chefs. And since then, we've done six different countries in vineyards and then in like cellar doors and that kind of thing. Oh, my god! But that's that's literally my dream job because I get to drink on the – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's like that. that's my love language. Like That's amazing. Yeah. So I have this big thing on this show that – not only do most people have more than one passion or more than one joy, but someone out there is looking for exactly what you have. Like even if the combination of your two passions is kind of weird or they mm. don't necessarily automatically go together, mm -hmm. someone out there wants you to combine them in a way that's really unique and different. And I think often we think, well, wine doesn't help my music or music doesn't help my wine. So unless it's related to my job and it's going to make me more successful, like I won't waste time. Right. Whereas I think like – put them together yeah. like find a way to unite them because that makes yeah. you so happy it makes you I think it's like being more conscious as well because for instance if you were cooking at home yeah you turn music on right 
I think. Yeah, I 100% would. You pour a glass of wine. For Valdi. Right? Oh, amazing. There you go. So then, and Four then seasons. once you sit down. <laughs> me, like, you're that kind of cool, like, <laughs> shit in the pan. Yeah, that's me. Love it. Summer. <laughs> I love that. And then you sit down, you might change your music, and then you have dessert or, like, at the end of the night, you might change your music again and you change your wine. But this is done subconsciously. Yes. I think for the most part. Yeah. I don't want to generalize, but you just turn it on. You're like, what am I feeling right now? But once you make it a conscious thing by marrying the two things together, it changes how you listen. It changes how you taste things. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, follow on to that question about like dream scenarios. If there was anyone you could play with, John dead Legend. Or, yeah. Okay, amazing. <laughs> if he's listening, <laughs> like dead or alive or even just sit with, yeah. who would be like the five composers or musicians who you would love to do either a collab with or just be or learn from mm. or be around mm. or to play? Who are your favourite people to play? Right. Well, Chopin's my favourite classical composer because he pretty much dedicated his entire life writing music just for the piano. Yeah. So I think that's so <laughs> unique. And he only lived for 39 years. So really? Yeah, he was really sick a lot of the time. So Whoa. I know just to think like what he gave us and what he could have for maybe another 30 years yeah. given us. So I find that fascinating. Like I'd love to sit down with him. John Legend, as yeah. I mentioned. because <laughs> I'm literally going to try and get this into his ears somehow. <laughs> like the six degrees of separation. I'm like, if they don't collab with the next five to ten years. <laughs> I have failed. We're putting it out there. We are, put, we are manifestation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I think Lang Lang as a pianist is just, he's ticked everything. Like he's wow. done everything. He's played with John Legend. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> the three of you together. Yeah. You yeah. do a little trick. Exactly. <laughs> Piano, six hands. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I just think he is incredible incredible as a pianist and everything he has done in business wise as well mm. you know he's got his own line of pianos and oh, you know it's, it's just cool that is so cool yeah the reach that he has been able to create with classical music is amazing to see so yeah, wow so that's three <laughs> so do you find that one of the things we talk about a lot there's a section called play ta which is the idea that even if you love your job maybe especially if you love your job mm you still have to always have some kind of joy or play or hobby, whatever you want to call it, that's not related to, in your case, music because yeah. otherwise you get all consumed, you can't get distant, you don't remain fresh. But also then if everything is about work, you know, you'll burn out and there's, you know, you're not meant to, even if you love what you do, we're not here to just work and die. There's meant to be a place where you're just you know, totally forget what time it is or where you're yeah. just doing things for enjoyment. Mm. But because music is everywhere, like I imagine even watching movies, you'd be tuned into the score in a way that other people aren't. So how do you wind down from not thinking about music and what do you do just for fun other than play the piano? <laughs> Drinking wine is like Yeah, one amazing. Yeah, like going to vineyards. That's a theme here, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. I don't have a drinking problem, I promise. Um, no. Not problematic. Normal level drinking. Um, like actually spending time in vineyards, I think, and talking to, again, it's the, I love the process. Yeah. I love the making process. I honestly, I couldn't care about the end result. Once you get there, it's done. Yeah. But for me, it's the process and the challenges 
the whole way. Like that brings me so much, I don't know, it's not gratification. It's just like the struggle. I love the struggle mm-hmm. and I love seeing it in others as well and learning from that. I know it's still work related when I'm learning things, but I really enjoy, I don't know, vineyards for me are, it's a happy place. Yeah. Beaches, love the beach. So that's also like clears my head for sure. And then actually after like doing a concert or being in the studio for so long, I actually don't turn on any music in the car. Yeah, you just need quiet like time. Si- absolute <gasps> silence. And it's like a crazy person, but it's <laughs> like you're a psychopath. No, yeah. it's amazing. We no. need to sit in stillness more often. Yeah, like and sometimes I just sit in the car silently. <laughs> Not driving. <laughs> no. Just pulled just over sitting, by myself. Yeah, just sitting in the in car. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now I sound really crazy, but Not at all. Not especially given that sound is your everything. Yeah. Like the idea of not having sound stimulation is yes. probably your brain's way of just like chilling out. It's true. Yeah, it like you just subconsciously analyze everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like once, like whatever you love, whatever that happens to be, you start seeing that in the world everywhere around you. And so unless the world is never going to go, by the way, here is a way for you to switch off. You actually have to choose to block it out. Otherwise you could continue being stimulated forever and never come down from that high. So I feel like for you that would be cutting off music. Otherwise your brain will just be like. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I try to listen to other genres of music, but even then I'm like analyzing it yeah how can you i fix this it. yeah or be yeah. like oh that's an interesting sound i'll add that to the next like production so right. yeah so what is next for you what is like i'm i was looking at your schedule before mm. and you literally have a different state every like day and a half <laughs> then are on a boat then are back then you're back in melbourne mm-hmm. you're doing the candlelight series is i went to vivaldi four seasons yeah. it was the first one i went to and that Amazing. was a string quartet but tonight we're coming to see you for disney and you're doing a yep. series of those yeah what else is coming up what else do you hope like is there any big bucket list item in your career or in life mm. that 2023 holds for you like so it's very much i mean the candlelight series is continuing and i do that throughout australia and over in the states as well so there's yeah, they like, have it everywhere don't they yeah yeah it so kind of like started in madrid funnily enough it started in spain but then they have their American company and then it spread to Australia. But Is it's, it Fever? Is that the company? Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's kind of the platform. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, a couple of those. There's a really big, actually a big free one that they don't like to advertise. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's at Fed Square on Valentine's Day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's really beautiful. There's like, I actually think there's 10,000 candles out there. Whoa. We did it last year and it was wild. It um, is, for anyone who doesn't know what these are, it's a series of concerts all around the world in different locations, like at the Athenaeum Theatre. Mm. I think I went to one at the State Library Yard as well. Yeah. yeah. Tonight's is the National Theatre. Like they're all over the place and they're done by candlelight. Mm-hmm. And in Australia, because of OH&S, they're mm-hmm. done by not real candles. <laughs> in Europe, they're, they're, they're real candles. No, no. Really? Yeah. They're all, they're all the flickering LEDs. Oh, I thought because yes. I was like typical Australia. We don't have real candles. <laughs> Europe, they'd just be like, oh, whatever. No. But it feels like real candlelight. I candle would light. be in flames. My dress would yeah. just be like, shh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've knocked so many over. It's so <laughs> magical to it have is. no like lights, Light, normal light. lighting. Yeah. <gasps> Again, it changes how you listen. 
but then, yeah, then, then there's different programs. It's classical programs and then there's sort of more tribute programs. Like last week I did Fleetwood Mac, for instance. I saw! Yeah, and it's like, it's super nice. And just to be able to create instrumental versions of these songs, I think for me, again, it's that cross-pollination of classical upbringing and learning these instruments, but trying to emulate like a band or trying yeah. to emulate a vocal line, you know? So yeah. creating interesting versions and arrangements of these songs is, is what's fascinating. Do you write them all for these concerts? I Right for a lot of well for my shows definitely. Um, yes, because I enjoy because they're again it's sort of a part of me that they're hearing. Yeah, I can totally play someone else's arrangement, and I have done that for various other shows. But Whoa. part of the enjoyment is putting part a part of me in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm even more excited. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So these arrangements, yeah, which then funnily enough translated into the Princess and the Piano album, which came out last year right yeah and that is what else is coming an unnamed as yet (laughs) fourth album with universal yes which is coming out when is that um i think we're aiming yeah so i'm starting to kind of demo ideas and play around with arrangements (gasps) um yeah and just creating so essentially the idea behind it is creating a a lullabies album but but we don't want to do the traditional lullabies you know we want to again make it a little more relevant but create classical mellow versions of late 90s and early 2000 R&B tunes. Oh my god, <laughs> so excited. Yeah. Yeah, so oh. all the mamas can, you know, sing along to their babies. That is so Or not cool. just play for yourself. Or just me by myself <laughs> yeah. in my car at the side of the road. You're silent on one side of the road, I'm on the other side. <laughs> Does it just come to you? Like will you just be in the shower and suddenly you're like I hear the composition for this particular R&B song in lullaby form on the piano. Like, how do you convert it? (laughs) It Definitely some more melodic and lyrical ones. I always try to find those because, like, you do need the melody there in the first place. But that's why the the 90s and 2000s are great. It's that I find R&B these days is very different. Like, it's really... Like one note. You just be on the piano like... Yeah. Yeah, so slightly different. But then I, I definitely have to sit at the piano to flesh it out. And wow. um, yeah, so like Neo So Sick, for instance, is like that one works for oh, sure. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. So yeah, <sighs> just fleshing it out. And that's, that's the thing. It does take time. You can't just sit at a piano and suddenly be like, oh, I have a free hour. Let's do this. Because your brain also might not be inspired at that point. Yes. So if I've got a lot on my plate with shows it's again yeah it's it's a definitely a juggle but yeah. i'm very passionate about this album and i can't wait for it to come out so it'll come out hopefully by the middle if not yeah middle of this year oh we'll be following along closely i'm so excited yay me too, me too. <laughs> well second last question for you just to finish up what are three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation Oh, my gosh. Like only <laughs> someone who lived with you would know. Like weird habits, uh-huh. middle names, quirky like party tricks other than being able to play a song without <laughs> reading the sheet music. <laughs> I set my alarm clock at really weird times. Oh, yeah. Like 8.42. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, that makes me so nervous. <laughs> Ew. I'm like a round number gal. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even my volume has to be on an even number. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you superstitious? No, it's not even for that reason. It just looks gross. Like I'm just like very mildly OCD. But on yeah. times like if someone leaves it at like 47, I'm like, oh, no, no, 
Can't do that. But I kind of like trick my own brain. I'm like, if I set my alarm at 8.42, it means I've got three more minutes to just hang. To just hang. <laughs> just chill. <laughs> just snooze. In the bed. <laughs> three minutes. Yeah, I get it. Like if it's, if I say I'll do something at seven o'clock. Yeah. But it gets to like 7.03, I'll be like, yeah. oh, I have to do it at eight o'clock. Like I'll just wait. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. I'm like very even, like round numbers. Uh, yeah. yeah. How weird. Yeah, I love that. Kind of odd. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. But I feel like I'm generally like quite organized and, you know, like. Yeah. But that's that's an odd one. Are you good at languages because of music? So I learned German. Right. Right. <laughs> but I learned language to learn. That's yeah, cool. and I did it for my HSC. Only, again, because I thought it would be handy for music. Yeah. Like, yeah. Classical music. Yeah. All great composers were German, right? Yeah. So I thought I, I actually thought I would end up in Vienna to study. And so I was like, okay, let's get ahead. <laughs> I love it. You're so organized. <laughs> do you speak Vietnamese? I do. Oh, amazing. I do speak, read, to, and write, actually. You have to speak and just Vietnamese. No way. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You guys can have a chat later. Ah, yeah. My mom, again, she's amazing. She's a teacher, right? She's got all the patience in the world. So in our school holidays, she oh, she had a great way of, like, getting us to learn. She'd be like, okay, so we'll learn Vietnamese today, and then I want you to write an email to your uncles and aunts in Vietnam, and if, for every hundred words, I'll give you a dollar. And I was like, oh. sweet. Smart lady. That's like, mm, that's how I'm going to earn my pocket money. It's all about incentivization. That's all you need to do. Put some food or money at the end and I'll do anything. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, that was was, um, in our school holidays. That's what we do. (laughs) And, like, for the third thing, this is a random question that I actually should have asked earlier. I just didn't think of it until now. Did you find when you were younger that there was any, particularly because you did music from such a young age, was there ever, did you ever experience any racism when you were younger for being like the typical Vietnamese with tiger parents learning piano or doing classical music? Like it's so stereotypical. Did you ever find growing up in Sydney Mm -hmm. hard in that respect? So this is the wild thing. And because I guess this conversation is definitely in the forefront in the last couple of years, I find with Asian hate and whatnot, that I had to question myself. And then I asked my parents as well. I said, did we experience any bullying or racism? And the answer is actually no. Not until I was joining a cruise ship in Perth, sadly. But like after school? Oh, yes. Wow. Well and truly. Oh, yeah. And we grew up in a very white Australia area. We were the only Vietnamese kids in the school. Wow. But it was never did I feel polarised or never did. It really was beautiful, like especially having heard other people's stories. Yeah. And never like, oh, she just plays piano, she's a freak. Like, you know, none of that either. I felt really lucky for somehow magically we, I don't know, dodged it. Yeah, but I also think that's beautiful because I think because it's become such a big conversation as well, it's almost like everyone not says that it happened, but it's almost like you feel like it should have happened because everyone else said it happened. So it's like... Even that you said you had to dodge it. Yeah. It's like it should be that way. You yeah. Shouldn't ha- you shouldn't have had that experience, but it's unusual yeah. for someone, I think, to say, actually, no. I didn't when I was – I did in high school uh-huh. when any kind of difference was, you know, something that we were all trying to suppress and all look the same, whatever. But primary school, kids just don't even 
they don't even notice. And I yeah. love that about young children. They don't see. And I think I, even till now, I'm, I don't really notice, for instance, if you're the only Asian in the room, like I don't, that doesn't yeah, enter my you're head. You're not aware of it. Ne- me, me, yeah. Me, me it's until someone points it out and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah guess. It doesn't have to be a big part of your identity and experience. Yeah. But for sure, I'm proud to be Vietnamese and I, I'm even more proud now. Like when mm. I see, you know, the representation that is out there, like I'm, the biggest campaigner for it you know but I do feel super lucky that that was how I was raised and I had beautiful friends around me and support yeah yeah oh wonderful Mm. well very last question because I love quotes so much what is your favorite quote if you have one oh my gosh I should have thought about this before coming (laughs) on to here because you are the queen of quotes (laughs) Um, Only if you have one or even just like a philosophy or a motto. Gosh, I I actually don't. And I read them every day, you know, (laughs) and I get inspired by them every day. But I wouldn't say I have. I I guess the philosophy that I love to go by is like nothing's impossible and don't be afraid of the word no, like rejection. I love that. Yeah. Just don't be afraid of it. I love that. I always say rejection is simply redirection. Yes. It's usually oh my gosh, just that's like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's usually like that actually just wasn't meant for you. Right. Like, go on to that other thing. Right, right. And yeah, and don't be afraid to cold email someone and they don't reply, it's yeah. okay. Also, you know, not replying is rejection, but yeah. it's okay. It's not like no one knows. Yeah. It's not that embarrassing. Yes, exactly. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're so scared of that feeling of looking silly. Yes. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much oh, for thanks joining. Thanks for having this me. Is so fascinating. And I'm so excited about tonight. I will be, if you hear some rando singing, singing. in the back row or dancing or like coming up on A stage, it'll be me. It'll be like, oh my God, get that chick out of the back row. <laughs> Love it. Aww. I'll make sure to include the links to everything your website, your pages, tickets to your shows. Whenever your album comes out, I'll make sure to share with the neighborhood. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. <laughs> What an amazing woman with such a special talent. As promised, I will put the links to Van Ann's pages and upcoming shows too for anyone interested. As usual, please shower Van Ann with some neighborhood love for so generously giving us her time, especially just hours before a double show. Tagging at Van Ann Official and us so we can keep growing the neighborhood as far and wide as possible. Meanwhile, Melbourne family, our first sold out IRL date is coming up next week and I'm so excited to meet you all and Sydney as promised we are coming up the week after and there are only a few tickets left for that I think there's maybe only two or three at the time of recording this for Friday February 24th so don't miss out on snatching those last tickets up we are so excited and already have done way more in the first two months of this year than we did all of last year so we're up and up at the moment the state that makes the most noise is the one that we will visit next Oh my God, I'm starting a fight. <laughs> so start pestering us if you're keen for a neighborhood catch up near you if we haven't booked your city already. In the meantime, I hope you're all having a wonderful week and are seizing your yay.